0: Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Hashtag SM Life. I am your host Morgan Zupanski and today we are talking with Liz Fiela. She currently lives in Los Angeles, California. She has done so much in her career already and she is really just getting started. She did a bunch of theater throughout undergrad, both in school and professionally. And then she decided to switch gears after grad school and work in television. She ended up working on a sitcom for two years before she decided to switch gears again. And now she freelances doing a lot of weddings and private events and corporate gigs. So obviously there's a lot in there and we're going to talk about all of it. And. We're also gonna talk a lot about finding your tribe and how important it is to have a good support system and the power of choosing to up the ante when you find yourself getting complacent in your life and what a positive thing it can be to feel uncomfortable and to embrace not knowing what you are doing, but trying it anyways. So let's dive in.
1: Hello. Hello, everybody.
0: All right, Liz. So first question, tell everybody what you are working on right now, what you're spending your time doing, whatever that means to you.
1: Great. So right now I'm living like a 60-40 life or a 70-30 life. What does that
0: mean? Which
1: means, (laughs) I know it sounds crazy. I spend about 60 to 70% of my time stage managing corporate events. And then about 30 to 40% of my time coordinating weddings and private events. So everything from designing to literally just coordinating stage managing. So I'm all over the place. I feel like I'm constantly working on one thing and the next. So it's always interesting.
0: And living the LA life.
1: Exactly. You can't just, <laughs> if you live in LA, you can't just do one thing. You have to have at least four jobs, right?
0: Well, you have to have at least four jobs and usually you have to have like a side hustle. In exactly. Addition to that.
1: Maybe I don't have a side hustle yet. I don't know. But you love your job so much. I feel like the side hustle is the regular hustle for you. I love my job. Yeah, I love all my jobs. I feel like the new side hustle might be convincing my boyfriend to get a dog. Because that's, that's a job in <laughs> that's itself. That's a full-time job right It's That's there. a full-time job, convincing him.
0: <laughs> Wait, okay, so you're doing corporate events and you're doing weddings right now.
1: Corporate events, weddings, and every now and then I get some sort of private celebrity party intermingled in there too, because hashtag LA. <laughs>
0: yeah. You
1: can't just do a regular party. Nah. Do you feel like they complement each other well? Definitely. I... I'm often asked if I should do just focus on one or the other and just do 100% weddings or 100% corporate events. And I feel like I would go crazy if I just did all of one thing. I like doing a little bit of everything. I think like you, yeah, just like being all over the place, because for me, that's what keeps me balanced. You know, I feel like weddings are my creative outlet. I get to form a really strong relationship with my clients and, you know, work with them over several months time, sometimes over a year developing what that creative process needs to be for them and what's going to work for their day and at the end of the day I like doing them because they're heart-centered events whereas corporate events not to say that they're not meaningful but it's much faster paced which I also love and that has its own space in my life where I can jump in and work at a really fast pace with these highly technical people who know what they're doing and they've come to get the job done and for me that's that's its own kind of joy so they're both separate but they complement one another because they both work with my strengths you know I get creative and I produce more on the wedding side but I'm I use much more of my stage management technical skills when I'm doing corporate events so both are good for now
0: okay so let's start at the beginning uh tell everybody how
1: you got started as a stage manager and kind of what your trajectory has been um yeah well I started out in traditional theater I started stage managing when I was probably about 15 or 16 in high school, Um, fell in love with it. I didn't know that it was a thing before then. I didn't know that a career like that existed. And then I thought, oh, sweet, I can make a job out of making schedules and organizing paperwork. What a joy. This is what I want to do with my life quickly learned that there's much more to that than just making schedules and organizing paperwork but um that's kind of what led me to it and then I just the rest is history really I decided to continue down that path in college went to school in Chicago for stage management got my BFA at the theater school and then after that I decided, why not go to grad school? San Diego was calling. It was a warm, sunny, palmy city, and they don't charge tuition, so I figured, why not go somewhere (laughs) warm and get another degree? Doesn't sound like a bad life to me. So packed up my bags, moved out to California, as one does, and um, got my MFA in stage management. So that was kind of the theater portion in a nutshell. It's a lot of theater, 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 and more theater. Um, Everything from traditional theater to your non-traditional theater. I didn't do too much dance, though. That was never really my thing, nor was opera. I like music, but I don't think I'm a musical stage manager. That was never something that I felt passionate about, whereas other people really liked that, and so I didn't want to take a spot away from someone who thoroughly enjoyed it. So I stuck with the more traditional theater, and I really liked the new place.
0: And you did some professional theater while you were still an undergrad in Chicago.
1: I did, yeah. I worked at Victory Gardens, which was awesome. Um, Chicago's a great theater city, actually. I think it's definitely kind of the underdog in the U.S. New York gets a lot of credit because, of course, you have Broadway and Off-Broadway, and then... You have LA, which, of course, is coming out with all the films, and it has all the big touring houses, but Chicago has a lot of equity theater. You have Victory Gardens. You have the Goodman. So lots of internship possibilities there. Mm -hmm. I got to work on a ton of um, more traditional shows there and new plays. Somehow I kept, between my undergrad and my graduate career, I kept doing all of the new plays, and I think if I were to go back and do theater, again or dive back into that world, I would want to do new Place because for me that's really exciting. Oh, 20 yeah. new sheets? Yeah, bring it on, great, <laughs> let's do it. Reanalyze my entire props list and all my cues? Sure, bring it on. So for me that was always, that was really fun. So then, let's see, grad school happened mm-hmm. and then. And why did you go to grad school? Uh, you know what, I actually I never thought about grad school until probably my last year of undergrad. And my mentor at the theater school is Narda Alcorn, and she had actually gone to Yale for grad school. So she wanted us to consider it. So I considered it, looked at Yale, looked at UC San Diego, and thought about it, but not too heavily. And then to be perfectly honest, I went through my first heartbreak in college and was just ready to get out of town. (laughs) get out of town and do something different and then the more and more I looked at UCSD's program the more I realized that oh there's a lot of opportunities here that I actually haven't done yet a lot of non-traditional type stage management and opportunities to start getting into the event world and none of that was even on my radar as a stage manager before like I never even fathomed that that could be a possibility in my life I just always saw my trajectory as graduate college, move to New York, hustle my way to the top, do Broadway like that was going to be my life. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly this new door opened with all of these other stage manager possibilities. And I realized, wow, I can take these skills and really do something crazy and different that I hadn't even thought about. So California was. So then you did grad school. So grad school happened. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was about three years, a little less than three years. Um, grad school, man.
0: How did your goals change from when you started grad school to when you ended grad school? I feel like that's something that not a lot of people talk about is like, like everyone always talks about like, what did you get out of grad school? What did you learn?
1: But no one really talks about like how your goals change. I appreciate you for asking that question. You are
0: so welcome.
1: By the way, this is not scripted (laughs) at all. I truly appreciate that question. Um, right. So we're getting into the real talk here. (laughs) I went into grad school coming out of a conservatory program with a lot of competition and I don't want to say rigidity because it was an, the theater school is an absolutely incredible program, but I came out of it with a belief of the standard of how every stage manager should operate and realized when I got to grad school that that wasn't quite the case. And what I mean by that is that I felt that stage managers should act a certain way, dress a certain way. I I just had these very set ideas, and a lot of that was what I had put on myself, not necessarily what the conservatory had put on me by any means, but just the ideas that I developed in Chicago I brought with me to California. So anyway, when I went into grad school, I thought, in order to be a successful stage manager, I need to have my MFA and I need to take that MFA then and go to New York and be on Broadway and maybe go to London and work in the Central West End. And unless I do one or both of those things, I am not a successful stage manager.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I set these standards for myself and I wasn't necessarily comparing that standard to other people. You know, I didn't look at a regional stage manager in Chicago or San Diego and say, oh, He or she's not successful, but for some reason, I thought for myself, if I didn't come out of this program and not go to New York or London right away, not to say that I was going to get to Broadway right away, but if I didn't make it to one or both of those goal points, I wasn't a success. I feel like growing up, no one really knows what a stage manager is when you grow up. Yeah. At least I didn't. You know, when you're a kid, you say like, what do you want to be when you grow up? A nurse, a firefighter, a teacher. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what kid have you ever heard? That's it. A stage manager. You know, so when I told people about what I did growing up and what I was going to school for and then eventually what I was going to grad school for... Everyone was like, great, so we're gonna like see your name on Broadway programs and this and that. And that idea just got saturated in my mind as what it needed to be. Yeah, it's context for people, right? Exactly. And so, after so many people tell you, like, oh, you're gonna go to Broadway, like, you're gonna be this great stage manager who works with these celebrities, that's kind of just the goal that I ended up setting for myself and the standard to me that represented success. Mm-hmm. And I for some people, it certainly is, but as soon as I got into grad school and realized what I truly liked doing and the type of theater that I liked working with, I realized, you know, maybe that's not maybe that's not where I'm gonna end up. I also fell in love with California, and let me tell you, San Diego and New York, totally different vibes. <laughs> totally different. <Yeah. laughs> I love New York City. I love working there. I love visiting but I so adore the person I am in Southern California. I am a better, happier, healthier version of myself here. And to move myself away from this area right now in my life would be so wrong. And it would be, I would hurt other people. I would not be a happy person. So yeah, so I went into it thinking that and then fast forward about two and a half years, I'm gonna be real, I burnt out. I fizzled I was so done with stage management (laughs) when I graduated and I think my professors would tell you the same thing I mean it was not a secret I kept from people but imagine this you start stage managing at 15 years old in a competitive fine arts high school you go on to get a BFA in stage management at a competitive conservatory then you go on to study stage management some more at a competitive MFA program. So all that combined, I fizzled. I felt like I wasn't working to 120% of my capability anymore. I felt like I didn't care about the shows I was doing anymore as much as I should have. I wasn't having fun with it anymore. And on top of that, when you're in a grad program, you are studying theater in classes. Then you're going to rehearse theater at night. Then on weekends, you go out and you see theater. And who do you hang out with? <laughs> theater people. So I was done.
0: Well, even just the fact that you were like, I wasn't completely giving 120% all of the time. Yeah. You weren't giving more than all uh, of yourself yeah. all of
1: the time. Right. I of was, course you burned out. I was someone who before I would go above and beyond what my duties were, not because I felt I had to, But because that's what I liked doing. If that piece of paperwork could be any better or if that, you know, the way rehearsal could run could be even a tad bit better, I would do that to make it happen. And when I reached the point where I wasn't willing to go that extra mile or to be patient with a director or whatever, I knew that it was time for me to kind of put that on hold. So Mm -hmm. I actually came out of grad school, I don't want to say lost because... I don't I even looking back I don't feel that I was lost unless you say that I was lost in the right direction. But I knew that I still wanted to use my stage management skills. I knew I was I am an organized person. I like taking chaos. I like organizing it. I like dealing with the arts. I like storytelling. I didn't want to leave theater forever, but I knew I needed to take those skills and inject them into a different type of project. So I thought, well, I can still try moving to New York. I can pick up my life and move again across the country, or I could go next door two hours north and check out LA and see what that has to offer for me. Yeah, you could. So so I did. That's what I did. I talked to a former grad student, Lexi, who had gone through the stage management program, who is now a very successful AD in Hollywood, Sat down with her, had coffee, and asked her a bunch of questions for probably like three hours, three-hour coffee date, and learned that ad dean and TV and film is essentially stage management, but with cameras, I mean, that's, you know, way, way broken down. But I realized that, oh, wait, this is something I can explore, and I think I'd be doing myself a disservice if I don't explore this, especially living in L.A., So I left grad school, not having that goal any longer of going to Broadway or the Central West End, but trying something new. The goal of, I guess my new goal, and this is the first time I'm realizing it, is that when I left grad school, my new goal was to use my stage management skills in every way possible and not just in theater. And so that's when I started exploring events and TV and film and everything in between.
0: Well, and I would argue that um, feeling uncomfortable Mm -hmm. was an exciting feeling for you. Definitely. Do you know what I mean? Like in a really positive way. Yeah. Like you kind of refined and refined and refined how you stage managed for theater before you even got to grad school. Right. And then in grad school, you just refined it more. Right. Right. So I feel like a part of your burnout was like, You so truly understood what you were doing, Mm -hmm. and you wanted to feel uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, that's true. You know? That's true. From an outside perspective. (laughs) Yeah, that's really true. I think that's the first time anyone's told me that, and it makes complete sense. Oh, Morgan, you speak so much truth. Yeah, Speak
0: your language.
1: I, I was good at what I did. We were all good at what we did. We wouldn't have been in the program if we weren't, but... I, yeah, I needed to try something new, and I started pa in LA on film sets and doing like TV shows, and I remember walking on set literally two days after I moved to LA, walking on set for this pilot, this pilot called No Tomorrow, by the way, if anyone saw it, it only lasted one season, <laughs> but um, walking on set and just thinking, I have no effing clue what I'm doing. Yes. And this is great.
0: It's fantastic.
1: Like I'm on set. I'm to I am in this random neighborhood in LA, but it's two houses down from the Fast and Furious house. So that's cool. There's a helicopter flying above us and a makeup <laughs> like a makeup artist befriended me and the wardrobe person befriended me and they started putting me in charge of different things and the other PAs were God, what do they do? They like put me in charge of the bricks and so suddenly I was handing out radios to everyone and keeping track of things and again, not really knowing what I was doing, but just trying to do a good job and realizing that I really liked that. Mm-hmm. I just liked being in a different scenario. Yeah. So that was fun for me. So I kept doing it. <laughs> I did that. I worked on No Tomorrow and then I started getting into some HGTV stuff and did House Hunters.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And at the time... The thing about LA, the great thing and the problem is that there are so many darn people in this city who all want to do the (laughs) same thing. And it's great in the sense that when you're trying to network or you're trying to find resources or people to talk to there's a whole community. It's plentiful. It's plentiful, but it also stinks in the sense that you're competing with so many people, and so you have to kind of have that little edge. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: I was having a hard time getting some PA work in LA because there's so many more people who wanted the same PA gigs and day playing gigs who had more experience than me. So then I told them that I was a local in Palm Springs. Because they needed locals in Palm Springs for some house hunter shoots. And lucky for me, I have a best friend whose parents (laughs) lived in Palm Springs. And I knew a little bit about the town. And I'm also a good Googler. Yes. (laughs) So I told them I was a local in Palm Springs and got hired the next day to do some Palm Springs shoots. And that, to this day, is probably one of my favorite jobs. Was doing all these different shoots. For house hunters in Palm Springs.
0: Well, and look, who, if you haven't lied about living somewhere else to get a job (laughs) yet, you will. You haven't lived. Everyone's done it at least once. And I, like, I can't speak for everyone, but I can speak for Mm -hmm. me and tell you. The one time I lied, it's because I was trying to get into corporate events, and I lied about where I lived to get my first experience on a corporate job, and to this day, I can accredit almost every corporate gig I've ever gotten to that one job. Exactly. Totally worth it. It's totally worth it. Totally worth it. And that
1: job, well, the story gets better, but while I'm still on that, before I lead you to the next point... The two reasons they wanted a local was, A, because they didn't want to pay for housing. Mm -hmm. Okay, hello, hotel points, 21st century. Airbnb. Hello. So easy. So that was not an issue. And the second reason was because they wanted someone who would know where all the local joints were for, like, coffee and, you know, market runs and things like that. Hello, Google Maps. Hello, Yelp. (laughs) Yelp. I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) Who are we working with? Like what kind of PAs have you had in the past?
0: You can even, for like a tip out there for everyone, you can look on Postmates and see which shops are popular on Postmates and you can pretend that you know like those are the
1: places to go. Like there's so many ways to fake it till you make it. Yeah, and that's pretty much what I did. So I showed up on set and I remember rolling up in my SUV to this House Hunters home. It was the first home that we were shooting thinking I have no clue what I'm doing. like, what am I doing here? Part of me really just wanted to drive away and call the producer and be like, I'm sick because I was so scared of what was going to happen. I had no idea. I had never worked in that capacity on a shoot before where I was the only PA. All the bigger shoots, you know, all the big TV shows and like No Tomorrow, which was a CW show. There was a huge crew. And so There were like 10 PAs on set. So if I didn't know how to do something, I just asked someone else. Whereas this for house hunters for this particular shoot, very first one I did, it was a skeleton crew. We had one field producer, one audio guy, and then our DP slash cameraman who also did the lighting. Wow. And then me as the one and only PA who was like the runner slash set PA slash lighting assistant and he started telling me like get the RE blah 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 and i'm like i don't even know what that is <laughs> like, i me mean I, I know i know that that's a light and i just looked at him and i'm like i was really real with him he came out to his truck to the to the set van to get some equipment and i said you know what i don't this is the first time I'm, i've ever done this i've been doing this for maybe maybe a month this is the first time i've been the only pa I'm going to be real with you. I don't know what these lights are, and I don't know how to set them up, but if you show me once, you'll never have to show me again. Mm -hmm. And he did, and I listened, and I'm learned. i a quick learner. I mean, and I think anyone is. When you have to learn under pressure, and you know that the job depends on it, you just do what you have to do. So he showed me how to set up all these lights, um, showed me everything he needed, showed me how to set certain cameras and monitors that he needed, and I did it, and I rocked it. That really catapulted the rest of my tv career and got me to where i am today because of that i formed a really good relationship with Pie town productions which is the production company that produces a lot of hgtv stuff and they produce all the house hunter stuff so because of that i had a really good relationship with them was asked back for several more shoots and then at one point Let's see, who was it? It was the production coordinator at PyTown Production said to me one day, hey, I hope you're okay with this. I gave your name to this producer friend of mine. She's a really good friend of mine. I just put your name out there. And so I'm like, okay. Like It kind of just went straight over my head because I didn't know who she was talking about. I had never heard of this woman's name before. And at that time, I was applying to so many different gigs that it's like I, I had a... I had an Excel sheet of everywhere I applied to. Seriously, I have to
0: like I mean in yeah. theater, fr- like freelancing in general. Of course you have to, but I would say especially in TV and film,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you have to send out your resume to everyone. Assume like if you know if you apply to like twenty jobs a day, assume. That maybe once a week someone opens your letter or opens your resume or your email and actually looks at it. You just have to kind of like, that's the mindset you have to go. You just have to keep, keep, keep applying.
1: Yeah, I just applied like crazy. And even when I was on a really good track with house hunters, I didn't ever want to assume that there was always going to be that next job. Totally. Especially, like I was saying, in this city where there are so many people with so many amazing skills who want the exact same job as you. So I was just applying to everything. And at that same time, I started getting into more events too. And I was doing, um, let's see, I did a sports campaign with Rihanna and Puma at the same time. So I was kind of living. Oh, yeah. I forgot about I that. I know. Yeah. It seems like forever ago. That was with that uh, an event firm, the very creative firm. They're awesome. I've done a couple things with them. And um, was doing some more corporate event coordination with them and some, you know, producing with them while also working with Pie Town Productions and getting more into TV. So, you know, I still wasn't putting my eggs all in one basket, which to this day, I think was a smart move. And because of that, I'm still a little bit all over the place, but in the best way. So anyway, my name was put forward, and then a few days later, I got this call from a dude named Billy, (laughs) who's now one of my best friends. But at the time, I got this random call who said, hi, I'm Billy from Warner Brothers. I am at the show Mom, and we'd love to have you in for an interview to be the producer's assistant. And I remember looking at my phone and thinking, I think they have the wrong number. I don't know who Billy is. <laughs> and I opened my Excel spreadsheet while I was on the phone with him. And I'm thinking, I never applied to this. I don't know what, I don't think I had ever applied to Warner Brothers. And I didn't know what the show mom was. I think maybe I had driven by a billboard of it. I think I knew that Anna Ferris was maybe on some sort of show. But I had never watched it before. I had no idea. And really didn't know the parameters of the job at that time. So they scheduled an interview with me and I just thought, all righty then, I'm going to go in and this is just going to be another LA interview where I get dressed up and I go in and I have a conversation and never hear from them again. So didn't think too much of it. (laughs) Went in and talked to the producer at Mom, at Warner Brothers. And by the way, the show's still running. It's now going into its, let's see, seventh season. And it just got picked up, yep. right? it got picked up for two more seasons, so seventh and eighth season. hmm And went in for this interview, had a great interview with the associate producer and APOC, who is Billy. And then... And what's the
0: APOC for anybody that doesn't know?
1: It's an Assistant Production Office Coordinator. Fancy. And was interviewed by them. I suppose I passed their test. So then I was sent in for another interview with the UPM, who's unit production manager and the line producer. And they were looking for an assistant for both of them, someone who would serve dual purposes as an assistant for both the LP and the UPM. Interviewed with them, went home, still thought nothing of it, got a call They asked me some more questions, and funny enough, one of the questions was, you spent so long stage managing and doing theater, why are you suddenly pivoting? And what I told the producer, which I still stick to today, was that I like working in fast-paced environments. I like doing something different every day, and so theater was getting difficult for me because after you open a show, it's a lot of the same thing. And of course, I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't put into effect the understudy rehearsals and swing rehearsals and all of that. But still, I, I felt like I needed something new and different, and I pretty much told her that. I was really straight with her. And so she said, okay. And it was kind of this, okay. Sold. Click. She No, she didn't hire me at the time. Really? She just hung up. And she's like, okay, bye. Hung up the phone, super awkward conversation, and then I got a call two hours later saying, hey, we want you to work for us. Come in on Monday. On Monday? Yeah, this was a Thursday.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Actually, I guess it would have been a Tuesday because it was 4th of July weekend, and I think 4th of July was on a Monday. But my point is, they needed me there that next week. So that's what happened life changed. My life was altered drastically. I went from freelancing and going to Palm Springs and doing house hunter shoots and doing weddings at the same time I was doing Puma events to all of a sudden having this full-time job, which was really like a full-time job and a half because a UPM needs a separate assistant from an LP, but I was serving both positions at once. And that's really where the craziness began, and I fell in love with being on set. I love the show. Cast and crew are awesome, and was there for two years. That was the fastest two years ever. I it really it was. was. Two years. I know. I feel like I was there for about five years. I feel like it was so much longer, because looking back on the person I was before I did that show and who I was when I left... To me, those are two completely different people because the girl who went into it knew almost nothing about TV, had some basic experience with house hunters and some random shoots. And the girl who left was someone who could do all these contracts, deal memos, scout locations. You know, I mean, I learned so much on that show. It's crazy. I can't imagine not having done that now. And really, it was being a stage manager. For the production office but the exciting part to me about it was that it was a different show every week so even though we were dealing with the same cast and the same crew imagine I mean really it was think of it as a theatrical ensemble piece it was dealing with the same group but creating a different story every week and to me that was awesome it was like the super condensed version of a theater show Monday, we come in, we do the table read, we have a production meeting with all the designers, talk about what's gonna happen in that episode, then rehearse, 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 have a run through, producer run through, network run through throughout the days, and then on Thursday, cameras come in, we start shooting. Mm -hmm. Friday, we do almost the rest of the shoots, and then Friday night, we have a live audience, just like we would in theater. End of Friday night, tear it all down, come in Monday, do another show. It was awesome.
0: So, so, yeah, you were there for two years. I was
1: there for two years. You learned an entire new job. Yeah, I mean, it's just nuts. It blows, <laughs> it blows my mind how much I learned there. I mean, the amount of things I did for my job, too, and anyone who was in this position as well can attest to this. Billy, actually one of the people who called me in, who's now my best friend. Billy. Billy Ward. Mm-hmm. William Ward. if You're listening. <laughs> Um, he's the one who called me in for the interview and he had formerly been in my position, not directly before me, but had gone through it as well. And so he was a really amazing mentor to me. I asked him so many questions. I think I owe him everything for the rest of my life, but everything from just the deal memos to, like I said, scouting locations. So going out on the lot and trying to figure out, you know, what is the angle of the sun going to be for the DP to, Things like what are the logistics that need to be taken care of? And I think this, and this is where the universe gets weird. The UPM that I worked for, her name's Carol Ann Miller, is brilliant. And she actually had her training in stage management. So she went to the University of Michigan for stage management and had a total theater background. Small world, totally small world. And that's one of the things that, I think that's one of the reasons I got the job was because she, she, knew. she knew where I was coming from. And she knew that even though I really didn't have hardly any TV experience at all, she knew that I had the skills for it. Totally. So I didn't necessarily have the hard skills, but I had the soft skills. I had all of the traits needed for the job. All I needed to learn was the lexicon and the tech. And that's trainable. And so she became a huge mentor to me. And taught me all about the logistics of what to look for and what to keep your eyes out for on set and things to consider, you know? And I don't just mean the nitpicky like time sheets and union rules and all of that, but you know, oh, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, God, just everything. I mean, it's what you would do when you're looking at a theater scene. Like, okay, anyone else would look at the scene and say, great, Morgan and Liz are doing this scene in a cafe. Okay, what is there to know? But she asked all the questions of what time is it? What type of lighting do we need? What is the weather outside of this cafe? Even though we're on a set stage, what do we need? Do we need to purchase lights for that? What does that mean for the budget? What are they drinking? Is it a hot drink? Is it a cold drink? What are they eating? How does that interfere with mics? What do we need to know about this? Who's going to be in the background? And so she's someone who really taught me about how to look at a scene and analyze a scene with all of its logistics but also all of its realities and how it would actually play out in the real world. And she's also just a tough bitch. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that here. She's a tough You can say that. She's a tough. She is. She's a tough woman. And I think we as women are getting better in the field about being stronger and voicing our opinion. And let me tell you, she does not care what people think of her. She gets the job done. And because of that, she gets her respect. So That's Warner Brothers. I could, I mean, I could do a whole podcast on just my two years there (laughs) and all the crazy in between, but that's that. And while I was working 60 hour weeks at Warner Brothers, I was also working on a soundstage in Burbank called Envisionate. Envisionate is this really cool soundstage. You should look it up. That has all these different sets from like a living room to a jail cell to a hospital and was getting some experience on that soundstage as well, because I didn't really have any friends when I first moved to L.A., besides Morgan. So I just worked my butt off. <laughs> well, and I was out of town for, like, the yeah. first, like, five months yeah. you were you here. Yeah, you were so busy with opera. I'm sorry. But I was so busy with TV. <laughs> I did TV Monday through Friday at Warner Brothers, and then on Saturday, Sunday I went to the soundstage and did more filming and did like small, you know, your like smaller, low budget films. Although we did have Doctor Oz at Envisionate one day, so that was cool. Yeah, I still did weddings in between. Now that I think about it, I think I was crazy. I and think you I did am some crazy. Corporate events, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I worked all the time and then went clubbing at like 11 o'clock at night with Morgan right you here. You still had to live your LA best life. <laughs> because <laughs> Yeah.
0: And anyone can tell you I am all about living your best life.
1: You know, we were young. <laughs> I don't know. We I, are young. I still what are you talking about? I still am young. Yeah, we're babies. <laughs> I mean, I'm still a baby. I'll say that. I'm always the youngest person at work usually by at least five years, but usually ten years. I'm still a baby, but... Yeah, at the time, I think I, you know, I was in a new city with the new new jobs, plural, and just wanted to live it up as much as possible. So I just put in 120, 150% into work and then tried to go out and network and meet people and still have some time to go dancing. Well, in LA is about
0: figuring out who you want to be and where you want to be that person, right? Because yeah. even within LA, there are so many different, like, subdivisions or are areas of yeah. LA and they all have different energies and different vibes and different kinds of people. Yeah. And that's, you know, if anyone's to me like, Oh, I don't like LA. I'm like, well, what part of LA right, do you exactly. go to? You know It's what? probably just the wrong part.
1: I agree wholeheartedly <laughs> with that statement because there are some cities in this world, which I love, but I feel like those cities start molding who you are or to speak for myself When I'm in those cities, I feel like I should start becoming a certain version of myself. Whereas when I'm in L.A., I just feel like I belong here the way I wake up in the morning. This is who I am. Take it or leave it. But I'm making money off of it. So I'm going to keep on going.
0: Yeah, you make it what you want it to be. Yeah. And sometimes you go to the beach, and sometimes you go to Silver Lake, sometimes you stay in Hollywood, sometimes you go to Burbank, and they're uh, all different
1: vibes. L.A. has so many different pockets, so many different communities and types of people. Uh, so where were we? Okay, L.A. Okay, so
0: Warner Brothers, two years. Warner
1: Brothers happened. A whole
0: other career boot camp.
1: Yeah. Frankly. Yeah. While
0: still doing, well, were you still doing weddings or did you start doing weddings?
1: I was assisting weddings, and then I started doing... I started planning weddings full-time and taking lead the last year that I was at Warner Brothers. So it kind of overlapped a little bit there.
0: But had you freelanced anything on weddings before
1: you started at Warner Brothers? Yes. I had assisted at one company beforehand. Okay. And honestly, I was assisting in weddings because I just saw an ad on Indeed or something where someone was looking for an assistant. And this was when I first moved to LA and I thought to myself, well, if I can stage manage a show or PA a TV shoot, I can certainly assist on a wedding and like set out some napkins or something. You know, I just had no idea. I was completely ignorant of the industry.
0: But you know what? Like, that goes back to also, like, sometimes you should just apply for things that sound interesting to you. Yeah. Blind faith, right? You can figure it out.
1: Yeah. I just thought, you know what? This could be fun. It's a little extra money. Why not? Why not? So so (laughs) I just did it and assisted a few before I realized, hey, this is really cool, actually. A wedding. This is this is like its own theater show. We have all these different vendors, the designers coming in and I'm the main hub of communication, like a stage manager. This is really cool. And unlike the other jobs I was doing, I was working in a much more creative position. Mm -hmm. So that's that's where the merge of industries started happening for me. And that's also the same time that everyone around me kept telling me you need to decide what you want to focus on.
0: And everyone will know I am not about putting yourself in a box. Right.
1: <laughs> when I say everyone, I mean the world but Morgan.
0: <laughs> I was like, do whatever you want, live your best life, be anyone you want, it's LA.
1: Yeah, and she's she's you know, definitely I, like, right. <laughs> I make fun of myself
0: and like we're joking, but honestly that's
1: it's so true. Pretty much the
0: pep talk because I gave her.
1: I didn't want to quit my job at Warner Brothers. <laughs> because I loved what I was doing there, I loved the position, and I was thinking about either become, wanting to become an AD full-time and applying for the DGA, or going toward an APOC position, because I really loved being in the office and doing that production work more than I thought I would. I liked that position, because you're in the office, you have a desk, you know, you're working on paperwork, but you can still get up, move around, and go to set, and see You know, see all of the shots done and see the taping with the audience and all of that. So, to me, that was really cool. And I didn't want to leave that for weddings. But at the same time, I wasn't willing to give up weddings because it was so fun to be part of that creative process with clients. And like I said in the beginning, just form that relationship with them and work with them from the ground up. I mean, when I first sign with most of my clients, they have no idea what they want. They have like most. Most commonly, they'll come with Pinterest boards and have this million-dollar wedding that they want to do with, like, $40,000, <laughs> and so it's my job to cleverly and creatively come up with a way to make that happen mm-hmm. and to find vendors, and the more I started meeting other vendors in L.A., the more fun it was because you start developing a community just like you would in theater where you're like, oh, I know that lighting designer in Chicago or you know, that tech in New York, you start knowing like, oh yeah, that DJ in OC or whatever florist, like this one florist is going to work for one client, whereas they're not going to work for another client because you start learning the different styles. And so you really become more of a designer in that process. And I liked being a part of the design process. That was something new for me because as stage managers, I feel like you aren't in that process as much or you're... The design process is something you witness as a stage manager and you have a voice in it, but you don't necessarily design from scratch or put forth your own designs other than your paperwork and the call itself. So being able to develop my own and bring that to life was so exhilarating for me. Well, and,
0: and you're such like a Pinterest-oriented person. Yeah. I don't know how to describe that. You're just very crafty. Yeah.
1: Well... And this is something most people don't know, but before I started stage managing in high school, I was, I did the scenic design at my high school. I was the main scenic painter. So I did everything from the backdrops to all the texture work, you know, so like Beauty and the Beast, I think was one of the first ones I did. So I did the entire backdrop for that musical and I used to paint. That worked in such a way where if you hit it with different light, the poppies would be different colors. Oh, cool. And the colors, yeah, like the trees would show up differently. So mm-hmm. you could go from, like, being in dark, scary woods for Beauty and the beast to being in, like, this really pretty flower part of the woods. And then I did all the texture work on the castle, like all the stonework.
0: So it really complemented so you. So it
1: complemented me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I realized how much I miss painting and drawing and... It's not something I ever want to do full-time. I don't think I could ever be an artist full-time because it's something I like to do for fun. But when I have more of a say in it and when I'm the one sourcing the vendors for design or coming up with the design ideas and then taking it to the next level, I definitely get a sense of accomplishment.
0: Well, and I remember... Uh, A few months ago, a couple had pitched that they wanted their place cards to look a certain way, and you ended up doing, like, a watercolor drawing, and it was so pretty. And also, like, you were like, how about this? Do you like this? Let me find that for you. You were able to pitch something to them.
1: Yeah, that was cool for me because you're right. I had forgotten about that. Thank God for you. (laughs) The problem is that, yeah, couples will come to me, and so often couples come to me with, like, What's trending, which is fine. And I totally, there phases. I understand that. But what I try to do is push them a little bit away from the trend and ask them to do something different, ask them to challenge themselves. Now, at the end of the day, it's their wedding, it's their day, it's going to be what they want it to be. And I respect that wholeheartedly. But what I try telling them is that if you do the same thing that everyone else is doing on Pinterest and Instagram, it's not going to be you, it doesn't reflect who you are, it reflects. All the Instagram posts that you've seen over the past year since you've been engaged. So I try to create something different. Part of that means that a lot of what I create with clients doesn't exist. So I have to create it myself. So I was trying to come up with this idea with one of my couples this past fall. And there was no image that existed for what we wanted. And it was just this really simple cork and rosemary place card placement. Super simple, but there is nothing that existed to show them what I was thinking or to give them the image of my brain. And in order to convince a client, just like in theater, in order to convince a director, like, this is the set you want, or these are the costumes, you have to be able to give them that visual. And there was no visual that I could give them to show them, hey, this is this really cool design that I think you should do, or this is this simple setup. So I just did a watercolor sketch of it, and that was it.
0: And they loved it, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We ended up changing it up a little bit and didn't go with my original design, which was fine because that was just supposed to be kind of that takeoff point. It was a starting point. It was a starting point to a conversation of what they ultimately wanted. Now I'm reflecting back on every wedding I've (laughs) done and all the interesting requests I've gotten. Crazy. Also, I'm like, if you're
0: interested in knowing more about what Liz Fiela has done, you should really yelp her. She has some really good Yelp reviews. I have the best couples though, but like you have some really good Yelp reviews in that they don't, they don't just say like, oh, Liz is awesome. They also like talk about why you're awesome. And also for any stage managers that are interested in like weddings,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think it's really, it really compliments and also informs as to things you haven't done and things that they should be prepared to being, do.
1: Yeah, being a wedding coordinator is just being a stage manager. And here's the deal. If you're a stage manager, you can do any job, seriously. Any job. And I mean that 100%. Just make sure you care. Yeah, you just have to care about it. But you can take chaos and you organize it. You can deal with different attitudes and divas and dramas, and you can turn it into a story. You can make it work. You can deal with last-minute rehearsals. That means you can deal with last-minute meetings and requests from clients I mean seriously I feel like I could go into any field and upon developing the hard skills of that field I would be successful because I have the tools to make it work I mean as a stage manager we deal with so think of all the things we've dealt with all the crazy (laughs) directors and designers and like absurd rehearsal processes where you're just thinking in your head at the table why are we doing this this is nuts but then it ends up it ends up becoming a part of the process that's completely successful. I mean, everything we have gone through in theater just sets us up for the rest of our life, whether we continue on with theater or not. I believe that wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. So that's why, yeah, I have multiple (laughs) careers now because I can't decide on just one.
0: Or because you can decide that all of these things
1: make you whole. They do make me whole, yes. I like being in the TV film world. I like being in the wedding world. I love doing private events too. I have started getting more into like bigger parties and that sort of thing. So to me that's, that's my sweet spot is right in between all of that.
0: Okay. So back to your timeline. Yes. So you were at Warner Brothers. (laughs) Back at the ranch. (laughs) Back at
1: the ranch. Back at the ranch. Um, So what made you decide to leave after two years? Oh, that's a tough one. (laughs) It was really hard to leave. I'm working at one of the top worldwide studios on one of the best sets in the world. Warner Brothers is seriously one of the greatest lots. If you haven't been, you have to go. You have
0: to go. And also, like, sidebar, for anybody that's not in L.A. and knows exactly what's on the Warner Brothers set, the original original Gilmore Girls set is on there, and I die. I, like, printed myself out fake Luke's coffee cup Mm -hmm. (laughs) handles, and I made Liz drive me around while we drank coffee that was, like, from Luke's coffee. Yes. it's my dork moment. (laughs)
1: Yes. I do miss... I miss... So much about that job I miss driving around in my golf cart and just like being on the lot and I think eventually if I can get back on that lot and do events there that might be something that might be something in my future I don't know I mean five years ago I thought I was going to be in New York at this time doing Broadway and I'm is completely uninterested in that right now <laughs> so who knows what the next five years is going to bring me
0: mm-hmm.
1: but yeah so I had put in two years at Warner Brothers really loved where I was I was set up in a position where I was ready to move on to being a POC or some sort of higher level position but at the same time I was getting more and more requests to stage manage corporate gigs and corporate stage management is something I had done sprinkle throughout the years but not something I had really truly invested my time in and the more I got these requests the more it kind of started tickling me in the back of my mind and I started thinking maybe I should go for it, maybe I should do that. And then I realized how much I miss traveling. The great thing about working on Mom is that it's pretty much a a year-round job because it's a 22-episode series. So you're, especially in production, because you're always there on hiatus weeks and you're there over part of summer hiatus to do wrap and prep, it's really a full year-round job, which was amazing. But at the same time, I miss that freelance life. And I was starting to get, I was just starting to itch for something different. And if I could have it all, I would still be at Warner Brothers while doing my corporate gigs, while doing my weddings, while doing my private events. But at the end of the day, I just kept thinking, I really want to try, I really want to dive more into corporate gigs. I've done enough of it to know that I like it. I miss stage managing. I miss calling, actually. That was one thing that I really missed about stage management in particular was calling a show. So I decided to leave my position at Warner Brothers, and um, I left on a good note. I'm still very good friends with that entire crew and the cast. Still good friends with my producers. I think last time I visited the set, Alice and Jenny came up and like gave me this giant bear hug. So it's nice to be remembered. That definitely doesn't hurt, but I I ultimately decided that in order to challenge and push myself, I needed to, again, put myself in a place of discomfort, and so I left Warner Brothers, left that full-time job with benefits on this amazing lot to freelance and put myself in an uncomfortable position again and have been doing that for a little over a year now. And I'm now in a place where, like I said, I'm freelancing full-time, doing about 60-70% corporate stage management work. So I do corporate events all over the U.S. and a little bit in Europe. And the other 30-40% of my time is given to private events and weddings. It's crazy looking back at it in retrospect. And also, just explaining all of this makes my life sound kind of cool and sound really smooth as you're if a rock star it it makes it sound like my process of getting from one place in my life to another was not difficult but let me tell you there are many difficult nights and many times where I thought what the heck am I doing why am I leaving Warner Brothers I don't want to leave I mean it becomes a family just think about it even when you do a theater show for like three months after you leave that show just after three or four months you're leaving your family that crew and that cast that you worked with every day but think of two years of doing that It was tough. I didn't want to leave them. I just wanted to add to it. But I knew that I had gotten to a point in my position where I was really comfortable and I knew I had gotten really good at my job. And now it was time to push myself even further and go back in a place where I needed to grow more and I needed to stretch that muscle more in the corporate world. So that's where I am now. There's so much there. There's so much to, right? There's so much more to you unpack. You could make like a whole season of episodes there's, yeah, out there's of
0: everything she's done.
1: There's so much more to unpack. Like I would love to do a whole episode of just Warner Brothers and TV and another episode of just weddings and another one of just corporate events. Totally. Because there's so much in there to unpack. Absolutely. But this is like a breeze skimmed overview of my time and my work. I mean,
0: and all of that to say, I'm just going to say this for you. If anybody wants to know more, just like hit her up, slide into her DMs and ask for coffee.
1: Yeah. I'm going to say. Yeah. I will always go out to coffee with people. I'll always answer your emails, possibly not right away, but I will always (laughs) answer you because when I first started out. I took everyone and their mother out for coffee. I was trying to get a hold of people just to have a conversation with them. I would take them out for coffee. I would email them. I would do cold calls because you just never know where it's going to lead. So I'm, I want to give back and be that person to help you find the next step in your life or your career. So please reach out. I would love to meet up with you. Always looking for new people too always trying to convince more people to come to LA. <laughs>
0: well, I'm thinking about Mark Traub, right? He was the stage manager from the Today Show. To yeah. And I blind emailed and I was like, Hey, I'd really like to learn what you do. And I got to go shadow him when I was in New York on the Today Show. And mm-hmm. then I was like, cool. Could like my friends and peers come shadow you too? And he was like, no yeah, problem. Yeah.
1: And I ended up shadowing him when I was in New York. And let me tell you, that time shadowing him was one of the moments that convinced me that I needed to try something new. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I shadowed him on the today show while I was in New York while I was still in grad school though. So I think that was spring break or something who knows, but I was still in grad school at the time and I shadowed Mark and realized that there were so many other stage management possibilities. And that was one of the key reasons that I decided to branch out a little bit after graduation
0: it's all because he was willing to answer an email yeah. I mean honestly yeah it's you know it was so informative to me and to you mm-hmm. and he was such an amazing kind person and I'm so glad that he's like living his best life amen
1: um, to that I shadowed so many people when I moved to LA too and exactly. always thanked them always followed up with them and funny enough so I'm now a year into freelancing right and You know, as it goes with my life, when I start getting comfortable, I like to create discomfort. So, you know, I've been, let's see, the first nine months of freelancing, I was working with the same few production companies, which is really wonderful. It's nice to have that loyalty of different production companies. So even though you're doing different events with them and working with different clients you're creating that rapport with the same crew and the same producers and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But of course, knowing myself, I'm like, great, time to stretch (laughs) a little bit more. And I feel like, Morgan, you can probably say the same thing. Yeah. Of just wanting to – I constantly want to push myself. I'm waiting for that moment in my life where I'm completely comfortable and happy and satisfied with my career where I don't want to push myself – but let me tell you, folks, it's probably going to be a it while until happen. I get there. Like maybe when I have a child, but probably not. Well, you and I like
0: to be uncomfortable. Uncomfortable means there's something to learn. Yeah. And we like to learn.
1: Yeah. So so that being said, probably like nine or ten months, not even that, into freelancing, I'm like, great, this is going really well. I'm making a lot of money. <laughs> you know, like, I'm red Riding Hood, like skipping along before red you go hood. into the woods. I know, exactly. <laughs> it's going to be fine. Looking for my wolf. And I just, I thought, okay, this is going really great. I'm financially stable. I'm, you know, mentally stable because I'm happy with what I'm doing and I feel good about what I'm doing. And I thought, you know what? I really need to start reaching out to some other production companies, some bigger production companies. Let's take it to the next level. So I reached out to a producer that I worked with years ago at a fashion show. Uh, She like hardly even interacted with her, but I reached out to her and I said, hey, this is who I am. I worked with you. I think it was like four years ago on this such and such brands fashion show. Would really love to get in touch with you because I'm freelancing now in LA and I think your company's based in LA. And she reached out to me, said she's no longer in L.A., so my heart dropped. But then I read the next line of the email, and she said, but I'm doing a show in L.A. in a few months. Contact me then in a few months. So, of course, what do I do? I put, I put it on my Google calendar. <laughs> reconnect with so-and-so. Yeah, you did. Two months from now. So two months went by. I continued on with my life. Corporate events and weddings, loving life, living life, trying to strike a balance, which is an entirely different conversation. Still working on that part, but working my butt off, reached out to her again and said, hello, I reached out to you two months ago. Here I am again. That's not actually what I wrote. Don't write that. (laughs) Um, but, But basically, but you know, hey, just wanted to reconnect with you. I think you're in town. Uh, Would love to take you out for coffee. I'm sure your schedule's really busy, but would really love to just pick your brain about a few things. I'm not looking for a job out of this. I just would love to have a great conversation and buy you a cup of coffee, you know, super simple. And that's truly what I was looking for. If you go into a conversation wanting someone to hire you or putting yourself out there like, hey, hire me, please. Like, let me be your assistant. You're sending out the total wrong vibes. (laughs) Like, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that.
0: Right. Just ask for it
1: yeah, just, just don't. Yeah. So long story short, met her up for coffee in between different meetings she had. And it was one of those things where she's like, well, you know, I'm in this part of town, which was of course, you know, like an hour away from me in LA. And she had a super tight schedule because she was here working on an event. But I said, you know what? It's fine. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to come to you. And that is one of the glorifying parts of freelancing is that you can work anywhere. I can take my laptop to any coffee shop and that becomes my office for the day. So I'm like, you know what? I'll just come to you. That's where I'm going to work today. And that's just how it's going to be. So I met her up at the coffee shop. We talked and lo and behold, she connected me with five other stage managers. I would say about three of those five corporate stage managers got back to me. One led to a phone conversation which led to a follow-up hour-long phone conversation, which has now led to three new corporate jobs with three new production companies.
0: Amazing.
1: All because I reached out to this person from four or five years ago to take her out for coffee. And they were willing to meet with you. And they were willing to meet with me. And then her connections were willing to have a conversation with me. And after having those conversations, they realized, hey, this girl has some potential. She's green in certain parts of the field but she also knows what the heck she's doing i'm gonna connect her with who i know Mm -hmm. so there were a couple gigs where i they couldn't take the job so they put my name forward and because i then took that job then people i worked with on those jobs put my name forward for more jobs and now because of that my entire 2019 is booked like i can't take any more jobs this year and that's a great place to be as a freelancer I probably will because I'm crazy. But I shouldn't take any more jobs this year. But that's the power of connections and networking. And I think when people think of networking, they think of going to like a job fair in an uncomfortable suit and like giving out these cheesy business cards and saying, like, Hi, my name is Liz. I'm looking for a job. Hi, my name is Liz. I'm a stage manager. I'm looking for a job. But that's not what it is. All it needs to be is a really good conversation. Mm -hmm. Don't you think?
0: Absolutely. I feel like... I'm always so surprised when I, like, bring up networking and someone's like, ew, like, they think it has, like, a slimy context to it. Because I get, like, that that it had a bad vibe for a long time. But I think networking is such a positive thing. I think that it can only help people. And networking is about informing each other, learning something new, helping each other stand up. Helping someone get to an opportunity that they are excited about the same way that people
1: have helped you. Yeah. It's only good things. Well, and it just goes to show how wide this community is, because I feel like the reason so many people has have helped me is because other people helped them, especially in a job like this, TV, film, events, unfortunately, theater, theater unfortunately, it is a lot about who you know, because we're all skilled in what we do. We're good at what we do, but you really do need to have the right connections. And, you know, sometimes that stinks, but... Just having that connection makes all the difference because it means that you know someone who trusts you enough to do the job, and that person trusts you enough to then give your name to someone else on behalf of them. And that's how I've gotten a lot of jobs that have then led to other, like, really crazy, great jobs that have then propelled me forward. Like, I would say I was a good corporate stage manager when I first moved to LA. I was a really good really excellent theater stage manager, and I was new in TV. Now I'm at a point where I can say I'm a really excellent theater stage manager. I am pretty darn good in TV, and I'm a really good continuously developing corporate stage manager. Because the shows that I was calling a year ago, I have surpassed. I'm on to a new level in the corporate jobs I'm working. And that's only because I'm pushing myself to take on bigger clients, to take on bigger brands, and to take on harder and more complex shows. Yeah.
0: Well, and also, like, yes, it sucks that sometimes it's about who you know, but also, like, that should excite you to meet new people.
1: Meet new people. Like, figure out who you want to be working with Mm -hmm. and go meet them. Well, and the great part about that is It actually is such a wonderful thing because if you find people that you like and you find your tribe, like you find your community, then you find the jobs that you want to do because you're working with those people or you're working with like-minded people, people who, okay, if they like that stage manager, say her name's Nancy. I don't actually know Nancy. (laughs) So let's just say in this context, say such and such fiala production company loves working with nancy nancy can't do this job so nancy puts my name forward well if nancy and i have a similar style or we have worked with that brand before i know that i'm going to like working with fiala production company even though i've never worked with them before i know that they're going to be the type of people that i want to spend my time with
0: mm-hmm. so wait let's go back to talking about like your tribe for a minute yeah
1: what does that mean to you to like
0: find your tribe
1: and have your tribe Finding a tribe for me in L.A. has been all about surrounding myself with a community of people who not only support me but who triumph in my successes, who want to collaborate with me, who want to celebrate my creativity or my innovations, and who also challenge me and push me to be a better version of myself. And then vice versa, I do the same thing with them. I feel like within my tribe and within the community of friends that I've built, whenever they have a success or when they have a promotion or they find something new in their life, that's really good for them. I don't look at that as a comparison to my own life. I look at that as, wow, that's awesome. Good for them. I'm so excited and happy for them. And that's how they feel about me. And so it's, it's really just finding this group of friends and group of your chosen family, honestly, who are there for you through the thick and thin, who want to see you be the, be the best version possible of yourself and do the best work that you can do and push yourself to limits you never thought you could exceed before. And honestly, I'm, I'm at a point where when I started out, I thought I'd be doing theater, 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 and theater which is really wonderful and if that's all you do and all you do is theater then that's terrific because there's so much within that field but I'm pushing myself to new fields and new careers and new communities and to have the support system just rallying around me has made all the difference so to me finding your tribe especially in a city like LA is absolutely paramount
0: I want to read a quote to you, something that we've both seen and loved and heard and um, I'm obsessed with. It's a quote from Glennon Doyle. And if you don't know who that is, you should really look it up because Glennon Doyle is the bomb.com. Mm-hmm. The quote is, if you are standing with other women in a circle and there is a woman standing alone in your circle's vicinity, the thing to do is to notice her, smile at her, move over a bit and say, hey, come join us. Even if she decides not to join your circle, even if she looks at you like you're crazy, inviting her is still the thing to do. Widen your circles all of the time. Also, horseshoes are better than circles. Leave space. Always leave space. Horseshoes of friends is better than circles of friends. Life can be lonely. Stand in
1: horseshoes. I'd love to break that down a little bit. Totally, let's do it. Let's break that down. So before the horseshoe point even, the standing in a circle and inviting someone else in Mm -hmm. is huge. I'm someone who comes off... When I'm at work, I'm, I'm typically pretty cheerful and bubbly and seemingly outgoing because to me that's part of the job. Whether I'm coordinating or I'm stage managing... I feel like I need to be a little bit outgoing and I need to have a big voice in order to do my job properly. But many people don't know that I'm actually an introvert. And to read this quote about just inviting someone into the circle or into even their vicinity is huge to me. So it's nice to read that because Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to bring new people into my life. And it's also hard... I think it's probably hard for my friends to bring me into new circles of their own when they meet new people and new networks to bring me in because I'm I'm pretty quiet and a little bit standoffish at times. And I, as I've gotten older, I've protected my time more fiercely. So it's nice to see that there's this encouragement of inviting other women into your conversation. But then opening up that circle to a horseshoe that's something i actually never thought about before and that's, don't you love it yeah that's a mm-hmm. that's such a wonderfully simple metaphor i
0: know that i've
1: never thought about because it opens up it opens up that circle it leaves that extra space to say hey this is our vibe This is what we're doing. If you want to come in, great. If not, that's cool, but it's always open for you. Mm -hmm. And as an introvert, that's something I really, really respect because there's times where I've been invited to different networks or different events or different groups of sort within LA. And I've been so busy that I can't take that on. I don't have the space for it at that time, but I always wish that I could come back to it and enter into that network or into that group a little bit later on and so it's nice to see this metaphor of Glenn and Doyle with the horseshoe I really like that well it's just it's so simple and so
0: intense at the same time right because this idea that uh, f- you know you can because also like first of all a support system you think of a circle because you think of like AA groups or, like, whatever, right? You think Mm -hmm. of a circle and people are like, hi, I'm supporting you. But then, like, to think of it as a horseshoe, which it really always is, right? Mm -hmm. You're always welcoming anyone that wants to join us, that's genuinely interested and likes the vibe we're putting out. Like, cool, come on in. And I have always been so for that. Right. Which, you know, I mean, like, if anyone really reaches out to me and is like, hey, I really like who you are and like what you're focusing on. And I want to know more about what you're doing or what your perspective is. I'm so happy to sit down with anybody or talk to them on the phone and be like, look, like this is my opinion, Mm -hmm. but here's where I am in life. And this is what it is. You know what I mean? Like, I'm so open to that. I don't think that it has to be, if you know someone I know, then I'll talk to you, but otherwise like best of luck. Right. And that's what networking is in my opinion. That's how I think of it. It's, It should be a horseshoe.
1: It should be, here's what it is. If you like mm -hmm. it, great. If you don't, cool. Go find someone else. That's okay. Yeah, and the thing I really like about the open horseshoe is that open invitation and that, hey, we're inviting you into this group or into this conversation or into this event, what have you. But if you don't have space for it now, that's fine. Come back later. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's paramount because there's, So often I've been invited into these conversations or I've been invited to networking events that I genuinely want to attend or want to go to, but I don't have a space for it at that time. And so to continually be invited back into that community is huge. I love that. Thank you, Glennon Doyle. Yes. (laughs) Okay.
0: So we've talked about a lot. Uh, we I have, have a few indeed. more questions for you. Yeah.
1: Throw them at me. I'm ready for <laughs> you.
0: So as someone that has started in theater stage management mm-hmm. and moved on into so many different genres, uh, how would you suggest that people get started if they're looking to move from theater into any of these other fields?
1: The first thing I did and the first thing that I would suggest anyone do is just to ask So many questions and do not be afraid to look silly because for so long, I was the top of what I did in stage management. I was the top of my high school, the top of my undergrad. I did well in grad school. You know, I felt like I was at this point where I didn't need to ask any questions and I didn't necessarily need a mentor to tell me what was right and wrong about what I was doing and that was absolutely a mistake (laughs) (laughs) because there's always room room for improvement and as a perfectionist that is my downfall I feel like you know it's my strength and my weakness is that I try and perfect everything I do and It took me a really long time to realize that I could ask questions without appearing stupid or silly. And as soon as I started asking questions about different industries or different jobs, or even the same job that I was doing, but in different settings, I learned so much more and I opened up my career to so many new possibilities. And so my best advice really is to just open yourself up and put yourself out there because the moment you're in that uncomfortable zone is the moment that you're going to grow and you're going to extend your possibilities beyond anything you could have imagined. All right. So last question.
0: Great. <laughs> um, if you could give one piece of advice to your baby stage manager self, mm. what
1: would you tell yourself? I would tell myself that... Being in a place of discomfort is being in a good place. Push yourself to new places and new things and new people where you're not the best and be okay with it.
0: Well, and I think that's such a beautiful way to end this podcast. So with that being said, because I'm sure there's so many people that want to reach out to you and ask you, more in-depth questions about all of the different things that you have done so far and all of the things that I'm sure you're about to do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Instagram, what's your handle? How can so they find you? So my handle
1: is Liz Fiala underscore. So it's L-I-Z-F as in Frank, I-A-L-A underscore Liz Fiala. That's both my professional and personal. You'll see everything I do from my personal accomplishments and my travels to some of my work that I can post. Unfortunately, 90% of the work I do, I'm not allowed to post due to my NDAs and confidentiality regulations.
0: (laughs) Not that she has any feelings about that. (laughs)
1: Not that I have any feelings about it. Uh, Yeah, so uh, most of what you'll see on my Instagram is weddings and then personal life, but... I do try to post what I can from some of the events that I do. So please feel free to hit me up, DM me, and reach out. And hopefully we can grab a coffee and connect. So a few
0: things before you go. Make sure that you rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening to it. It's going to help other stage managers find our show. Also, make sure to click subscribe so you see the new episodes as they show up every week. This podcast is presented by the Stage Managers Association. If you want to keep up with the SMA on social media, they have all the socials. They have Twitter, they have Facebook, they have Instagram. Definitely check them out. Also, if you want to keep up with me on the socials, you can look for me on Instagram at Morgan underscore Zupansky. On this week's episode of Hashtag SM Life, you heard from Liz Fiella and myself, Morgan Zypanski. Thanks again for listening, and stand by for more episodes soon.